You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. Welcome to Art Smart from Who Arted, your guide to quick and easy art history. We're cutting through all that art world jargon that doesn't make sense to anyone because art is for everyone. Welcome to Art Smart. I'm your host, Kyle Wood. And just a reminder if you're enjoying this show, please subscribe and leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Now, today we're going to focus on cubism. In 1907, Pablo Picasso and George Brock developed art from a new perspective. They began creating works that seemed fragmented and at times almost unrecognizable. The idea was to show the subject from multiple perspectives, all in one composition. The roots of the Cubist movement came from the work of Paul Cezanne, who made paintings that were conspicuously painted. He focused on the planes, reducing things to geometric forms, and at times mixing perspectives within his compositions. Paul Cezanne made us painfully aware as viewers that we were not looking at a still life, We were looking at his painting of a still life. While Cezanne experimented with these ideas, Picasso and Barack ran with them, pushing the flatness and abstraction farther than any European artists had gone before. I specify European artists because the ideas for abstraction came largely from African art. Picasso was fascinated by an exhibition of African masks, and he was even known to have had Iberian sculptures stamped Property of the Louvre in his studio. Picasso's 1907 painting, and I'm not going to get the French pronunciation right, Les Demoncelles d'Avignon, it's classified by some as one of the first Cubist paintings. Others will say it's pre-Cubist or proto-Cubist work but the painting was largely influential on the development of the movement we now know as Cubism. This painting specifically was largely created as a reaction after viewing Cezanne's retrospective that year and attempting to outdo his rival, Matisse. While Matisse made similar work that was abstracted with simplified shapes to represent the form, Matisse's work was more sparse, it was colorful, and it had a lighter tone. Picasso depicts women in a way that, frankly, feels demeaning. The composition is cramped and uncomfortable. The combination of suggestive poses and mask-like faces dehumanizes the figure in a way that, to me, seems to really sum up the way Picasso viewed women. It's why I struggle to appreciate his work. Still, the piece is historically significant, as it caused a sensation not only due to the way he showed women, but the way he showed space, or rather didn't. The painting feels totally flat. 
The Cubist movement was a departure from hundreds of years of European painting methods focused on naturalism, linear perspective, illusions of lifelike three-dimensional forms that had been so prized since the Renaissance. Picasso and Braque argued that their Cubist approach was a more thorough rendering of their subjects as they would look at the subject from several different angles and combine the views in one flattened composition. In the early phase of Cubism, referred to as analytical Cubism, we tend to see muted neutral tones. The paintings are often monochromatic, mono meaning one and chroma meaning color. Monochromatic work tends to be just variations uh, in the lightness and darkness of predominantly one hue or color. The monochromatic look gives them this dry, sort of formal feel. Simultaneously, I think the limited color scheme helped to unify these pieces that were so radically different from what anyone had seen before. Later on, we would see another form of cubism, often referred to as synthetic cubism. Now, when I see the word synthetic, I tend to think of fake. But in this context, synthetic is referring to synthesizing or sort of putting together or combining things. In synthetic cubism, we see a lot of the same fragmentations, but we see more color being integrated. We even see collage happening as materials are attached to the canvas to create texture or describe some of the various planes. The Cubist movement was generally happening from 1907 up into World War I, but the movement didn't really die out then. These ideas, throwing out the old traditions and rethinking the nature of painting, perception, the purpose of art, it would remain influential on numerous artists and movements for decades to come. We see these ideas explored and expanded upon in 20th century movements like futurism and constructivism, but we also see contemporary artists still exploring cubism in new ways, like the contemporary neo-pop artist Ramiro Breteau, who's experimenting with the cubist fragmentation on pop art subject matter. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Now, if I were putting together a collection to help you better understand the Cubist movement, here would be my top picks. Le Demoiselles de Avignon. I reluctantly include this work because it's problematic in the depiction of women, the aesthetics taken from African artworks by Picasso, who was based out of France at a time when France was a major colonial power in Africa. There's a lot I don't like, but it was influential on the development of Cubism and elevating a younger painter named Pablo to the legendary figure of Picasso. Guernica is the Picasso painting I genuinely like. When I recorded my Picasso episode, I focused on Guernica 
because it was a later work that brings together so many different aspects of his new way of visualizing and presenting painting while at the same time working for a noble cause, calling out the horrors of war. Of course, Picasso was not the only Cubist painter. It was a movement co-founded by George Brock. One of my favorite Brock paintings was Violin and Palette. It was an analytical Cubist piece from 1909, and Brock would often look at musical instruments for inspiration in his paintings because he was trained as a musician as well. Of course, the teacher in me has to also point out that the AP art history list includes a different work, The Portuguese by Brock. The fragmented style, the rationale behind both of these pieces are the same. Next up, I've got Tea Time by Jean Metzinger. In 1911, when this piece was first exhibited, one critic called it the Mona Lisa of Cubism. Unlike other Cubists, Metzinger had a soft spot for representational imagery. He tried to combine some of the fractured geometric styling of Cubism with recognizable subjects. And lastly, I'm going to put Juan Gris' Still Life with Open Window. I think one of the things I really love about Gris is his experimentation with collage. Sometimes he was using actual collaged elements, and sometimes he was simply painting in the style of a collage. Either way, his work was brilliant. Now, those are my picks for Cubism, but hit me up on social media at Podcast. And tell me, what are your favorite Cubist artworks? ArtSmart is an airwave media podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor, leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to learn more, check out my other podcast, Who Arted, or go to the website artsmartpodcast.com for more free resources.